Welcome to the With Ingram series of podcasts. I'm Philip Ingram, this is episode 5, and today I'm with Paul Dodds from the Canadian company Genetech, who have just opened a new set of offices in London. Warning, you might actually learn something. I'm here with Paul from Genetech, who's just going to tell us why Genetech has moved from Reading up into these fantastic facilities in London. Morning, Phil. Uh, welcome to, to Genetech UK offices. Um, yeah, we were in Reading for, for some years, so we had to look towards expansion, not just in terms of office floor space to accommodate the grown headcount here, but also we wanted to enhance the experience that we give to our end user customers, extend the facilities that we, 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 we do to our integrated partners as well. And certainly with everything that was going on in the UK, certainly through last year, um, with the Brexit conversation, for example, we were very keen to make a very clear statement that we were very much committed to the UK market in particular uh, and committed to the UK as a key driver in actual fact for our entire European business as well. So this is more than just a, a new office here in London, in central London. It's very much a statement to the to the market to say, you know, we're very much committed to the to the UK as a major part of our expansion plans in Europe. How big is your UK capability and how does that compare to the rest of the global capability that Genetech's got? Well, globally, we're more than 1,500 people in Genetech, so we're a small part of the uh, the Genetech family. But nevertheless, in the UK, we now have in the region of 20 full-time employees in the UK. Um, but that's not to forget that a lot of our extended services, uh, support services, customer uh, engagement does actually still reside out of the Paris office. And that location question doesn't have any impact on the delivery of services into the customer base and indeed our colleagues working in customer services sales administration uh, technical support they're engaging on our business every single day directly so the the overall UK team is is far wider than purely the 20 people who actually reside in the UK territory but we are growing as well um, so in terms of the uh, R&D function where we're constantly looking for heads it seems um, the sales function we have uh, new starters even actually in March um, technical resource was uh, significantly expanded last year so the the expansion continues for us in the UK so I think we'll be having this conversation once again, maybe in a few months, with a with quite an expansion on the headcount even in the UK. I've known Genetech in the past as being one of the world leaders on safer cities, but it's been a while since I've been briefed on it. Where are Genetech? Where, where are Genetech's priorities at the moment, um, and what are the sort of capabilities that you're providing out into the market? Well, indeed, the city and uh, the city concept is something that certainly within the the home markets has been a, a very high growth area for us. And again, we're starting to see that in the European markets and in the UK markets here as well. So our engagement into local city infrastructure projects, into city security, um, but more so looking towards not just the safer city, but the connected city. Um, and indeed, one might suggest that the connected city does become a safer city by, by default. Um, we are looking towards expansion of portfolio beyond fundamental security applications into data management. We're looking at data acquisition within our end user customers, whereby we can accumulate, we can analyze, we can bring automation to, uh, to their organizations through good data management. We're looking also at collaboration because the amount of data coming into a, an end user organization, particularly a city organization, is huge. And we're really looking at how we can take that data, make sense of it, and provide it in a collaborative format to end users so that we can actually provide real business improvements, which ultimately lends itself then to public experience within within our safer and connected cities as well. So we're really focusing on outcomes as to how we can actually bring an outcome to our end user customers, um, not just providing fundamental security applications. 
So, so with increasing complexity of the different systems that there are out there, um, how are you um, helping wider security staffs make greater sense of uh, the huge number of feeds that they're getting in and the complexities of uh, the security picture that's been presented to them? Well, the fundamental tools within Security Centre, within a typical unified uh, deployment, that's always been at the at the core to try and um, bring a, a, as I say, a unified approach to systems within the control room environment. But we're now looking to take that a stage further in terms of trying to ingest and anticipate, again, data inputs, um, uh, events coming into those control room environments. And with products like Mission Control, our decision support tool, the ability to give very direct and clear guidance in a dynamic fashion to operators in, the, in their day-to-day environment. And again, considering the vast amount of data coming into organizational um, uh, uh, control room environments, the ability to automate where we can, but also where we do have to have the human input to give decision support, which can be very, very flexible. And as you will know from your background, uh, Philip, the plan tends to go out the window as soon as the first (laughs) shot is fired. Um, So being able to take um, event management whereby the situation can be changing in a very, very fluid fashion to be able to take that data input to then influence the decision support direction to the operator in a very dynamic fashion. And it's this kind of um, uh, enhanced intelligence that we bring to the uh, to the control room uh, that's where we create real value and real uh, value value adds to, to to customer operations yes designing in flexibility and the, the ability to um, deal with the unknown and the unknown unknown is um, uh, something that is critical to everything that we do I think absolutely and as I say the the ability to try and change that standard operating procedure into a more dynamic standard operating procedure depending on what happens next because no standard operating procedure can take account of changes to the plan. That's what we try to do with mission control in terms of addressing or ingesting data um, in real time to then influence the next step in the standard operating procedure, to then influence the next stage of action by the operator, and also bringing as much automation as we can to make his management of events uh, a lot slicker, to bring audit trail uh, post-events so that we can start looking um, at trend information, not necessarily with single events, which in itself is is very beneficial to try and identify bottleneck in procedure. But when we can identify um, event flow over over long periods of time to identify real trend, and where we can then again bring decision-making capability into organisations to improve their business flows and improve their day-to-day operations. One other thing that uh, has struck me as we go through all the technical side of things, the technical requirement for the security industry is growing enormously. Um, We keep hearing of shortages in people with the right sort of technical skills. Are you seeing that out in the industry? How do we deal with it? I think with any industry, there is always a a clamour for the best people out there. Um, We're very fortunate at Genetech that we work with, without doubt, some of the best integrators uh, within our marketplace. Um, And again, within Genetech, we attract some of the very, very best talents. Within the UK, not only from a a commercial and technical sales perspective, but now also recruiting heavily in the R&D streams with our own R&D facility here in the UK offices. Um, So we are looking uh, constantly to try and find the next generation of the very best talent out there. Um, Again, when we talked earlier on about professionalization of our industry and bringing, um, uh, bringing more talent 
that we can develop into the industry and we have some responsibility to do that. We have many uh, programs within Genetech globally whereby we do work with young talent and we try to bring them on for you know long-term career paths within our organization. So we are very, very committed um, to a, a myriad of programs within the university sector, um, but also within our internship programs where we can try and find that talent and nurture it. It's not just for Genetech's best interest, but for the interests of the industry that we work in. So do you see Genetech as a hardware manufacturer or a software house? Without doubt, we are a software manufacturer. Um, we have certain hardware components within the portfolio. We do provide uh, appliance technologies to support the software installations that we put out there into the market. But first and foremost, we're an engineering company. First and foremost, we are a software house. And we like to think, or we know, that we're an innovative provider of clever technology to provide real outcomes to our end users. Now, you talked a lot about data, and you talked a lot about connecting things together, cities together. Um, that, with it, brings a completely different threat spectrum when we're getting into the cyber, the data protection. Um, we've got the debate that's going on in the press at the moment with Huawei and 5G connectivity. Um, I know Genetech used to lead, and, and you probably still do lead, on a lot of the um, cyber uh, capabilities that you're putting into place and making sure that that element of what you're providing is uh, cutting edge. Where are you with that at the moment? Well, as you know, Philip, uh, cyber has been such a core concept within Genetech for for all of our history, actually. But in this uh, current time, it's um, it's it's very current. It's uh, increasingly relevant. Um, and it's very much at the heart of everything that we do, not just in the research and development of our technologies, but also within the ecosystems that we provide around our solutions. So the engagement that we have with our technology partners um, who share our same values, the engagement that we have with our integrator partners and ultimately with our end users to try and create this ecosystem of trust first and foremost, before we even get to the uh, technology uh, conversation is absolutely key and core to everything that we do with Genetech. Yeah, expanding that slightly, do you think it's time for the security community, especially in the UK, to wake up and start talking about security and not talking about physical security and cybersecurity and, and, and everything else and recognise that um, it's all components of one effort and we need to bring it together? And if so, how do we do that? Um, I, I wholly agree with what you've just said there, and I think it is time that we did this. And I think um, cyber responsibility for all stakeholders um, within business and within uh, within projects needs to be taken extremely seriously. Um, as I say, we try to work with technology partners, integrator partners, and end users that share our values. But I think we have a, a responsibility as well as trusted advisors within that ecosystem to bring education to the conversation first and foremost. And again, technology plays a heavy part in cyber protection, but first and foremost is education and fundamental good cyber hygiene within everything that we do in terms of the technologies that we use, the uh, the way that we deploy, even at a personal level in terms of how we use our mobile devices, how we use our IT technology. We have to have very fundamental um, good principles of cyber technology hygiene. 
Um, and that starts with the end user, I think, or it starts with us as indiv individuals before we even get to the technology side of things. So I think education is very important, but again, also working within this ecosystem of trust. I think end users in particular should look to the technologies that they want to deploy. They should look towards the partners they want to work with to deliver that. And we need to have, again, the ecosystem of trust between all parties as a starting point for technology and solutions deployment. Now, we're seeing uh, this week, I think, the security minister just come out with a statement saying that um, he's backing and they're going to bring in what's called Martin's Law, imposing a level of security on crowded places after the horrific Manchester attack. Um, and uh, the lady that's been pushing it is a lady called Fegan Murray, whose son, Martin Hayat, um, unfortunately got killed in that attack. Um, but this is government policy for the first time, I think, properly legislating into the security arena. Do you think that we need a top-down approach from the wider cyber and data protection outside what we've got with GDPR to try and bring some form of mandated uh, cyber certifications, minimum standard of cyber security that, 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 that'll come in so that we can properly integrate all this um, from a policy perspective? Uh, indeed, it does need to be a top-down approach, um, without doubt. Legislative engagement um, is an interesting conversation. Um, we don't want to restrict creativity. We don't want to restrict um, um, free-flowing technology development. But at the same time, manufacturers um, have to play their part in terms of responsible development from a cyber perspective. And I think if legislation can address risk at an appropriate level, then we should support that. Um, and again, if it brings uh, all manufacturers into a, a common level of responsibility and capability from a cyber perspective, then that should be encouraged as well. But you're a North American company with a global reach um, and dipping into Europe. How, how much do you think the differential ways that data and personal data is handled across the globe is going to make that virtually impossible? Or do you think we in the UK should um, put our flag in the sand and start to then try and influence everyone from from a, a position of strength? I, I think I think that um, those countries that are governed by what we refer to as, as liberal democracies, um, I think those countries need to, need to take the lead in terms of how we address cyber and fundamental physical security uh, applications. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Europe, the UK, North America. They are indeed democratic societies, and hopefully we provide uh, technology development, solutions deployment within a responsible and coherent fashion. Taking another aside from that, do you think one of the issues that we've got, um, certainly within this country, is that um, security itself... Um, whilst it's dealt with as a profession isn't really a profession because we don't have an overarching professional body setting those standards, um, interacting with government to make sure that there are the consistencies out there from um, either a technological perspective or a procedural perspective or, or, or something else. Is it time we professionalise this business? Well, I think we are a professionalised industry um, and certainly the area of the market that we work into, the partners that we engage with, um, I truly believe that we do provide a professionalised service and trusted advice capacity to, to all of our customers. But we do have to remember that the UK security market has been an evolving market, uh, very much at, at the forefront of, uh, of the global industry and security for 30 plus years from a technology perspective. And we have to make sure that the industry keeps pace with technology. And that's where I think top-down 
not so much legislative, legislative approach, but certainly top-down engagement to drive professionalism and standards within the industry is, is again, something that we need to embrace. Technology has moved very, very quickly. Um, and we've moved in the last 10 to 20 years from the analog to the IP. Um, many integrators have embraced that and come on that journey, um, but it's an evolving technology and it's very fast-paced. Mm. And uh, we have to make sure that we maintain uh, not just educational standards, but a, a real technology approach from our integrator partners to make sure that they keep pace with the demands of our end users who have this constant craving for technology and in particular software. And that has been highlighted, I think, very clearly by some of the arguments that we've had around the dealing with facial recognition software and the artificial intelligence mechanisms that are that that, that are on the back of it. Um, where where do you think do you, do you think technology is getting ahead of um, where legislation is, where the industry's understanding is? Do you think there's this clamour to use new stuff all of the time, and uh, is it right that we deploy it before we've got control mechanisms in place? I think it comes down to responsibility and responsible deployment of technology. You know, the, you're correct that the, the end user base out there is clamoring for the latest technologies available, especially when you mentioned earlier some of the, uh, the very high level crime and threats that we face in modern society. Um, but we must be careful that we deploy appropriate technologies to the level of risk presented. Um, and that level of risk is very different to mass public safety applications versus protection of commercial buildings or or maybe low level uh, parking facilities, for example. We wouldn't be looking to provide uh, very high end, uh, potentially controversial technologies into an application that maybe just needs a slightly different approach or a more fundamental security approach. But again, um, as we've said a few times uh, today, it's about responsible use of the technology that's available to us within the marketplace. And again, creating that ecosystem of trust within the end user space, integrators, ourselves as manufacturers and our technology partners to deliver that. So with, within that spectrum, where is Genetech today um, and where will Genetech be in, say, five years' time? Well, where we are today, I think we've moved the conversation on quite significantly from fundamental security. Um, so, yes, a, a core of our business was indeed through video, access control, license plate recognition, and this unified approach to security provision. And, again, we're now moving more towards how we provide a broader, broader impact into our end users' daily business, how we protect the everyday. Um, with our end users as well. How we assist them in terms of managing data, how we assist them to make sense of the data that they are actually accumulating, whether that be video or access control related or the myriad of other sensors that they have going on within their businesses. And through that, we want to bring business improvements and real value to end users. And suddenly the conversation goes far beyond that of just video access and unified uh, security solutions into more business improvement uh, areas as well. We're also looking at uh, collaborative technologies through te through products like Clearance, for example, where once we've accumulated this data, what on earth do we do with it? You know, storage is, is one thing. Well, yes, we can store. Cloud technology for storage um, is, again, now becoming very much more commonplace. But it's how we extend collaboration and access to that data through multiple stakeholders in a responsible and secure manner um, to enable you know, maximization of, um, of the investment, to enable uh, efficient access to information, 
and efficiencies within the, the business process between all stakeholders. Paul, on that note, I think that's put Genetech you know, into your very clear perspective in, in where you are and, and where you're going. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, Philip. It's been a pleasure to have you here.